From runasradio.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 618, Exchange 2019 with guest Gareth Gudger. Recorded Friday, November 30th, 2018. Run As Radio is produced each week by Pwop Productions, providing professional media and podcasting services online at pwop.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Thank you, Brandon. This is Richard Campbell. Thanks for listening to Run As Radio. Hope you're having a great 2019. And I'm bringing back a favorite. Here's uh, Gareth Gudger, who's a Microsoft MVP specializing in Exchange and Office 365. Started his career back in 1999, working on NT4 and Exchange 5.5. Oh, those were the good old days. And uh, blogs at supertechboy.com. And I read your blog, sir. Thank you so much for your writing. Oh, thank you, Richard. Thanks for having me back on the show again. It's always a pleasure to be here. I can't believe you weren't at Ignite, dude. Like That's your show. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes we've got to make way and, uh, you know, kind of give up our spot to let uh, some some other guys experience that as well. Sure. Yeah, I appreciate um, that. As, as much as you'd like to, you, you know, you can't send every consultant down there at the same time. <laughs> yeah, sometimes people actually have to do some work as well, right? Right, right. Definitely. Crazy things. But it uh, certainly they were talking about Exchange 2019. And I think, you know, first item has got to be there will be an Exchange 2019. That's good news. Yeah, definitely. Uh, there'll be an Exchange 2019. And not only that, I mean, we just heard about 2019 products across the board, right? From mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Skype to SharePoint and obviously, you know, uh, the client side like Office. <laughs> So uh, it it seemed like Christmas might have come early if you were on you know if you're an on prem organization uh, at Ignite this year. Yeah, no, very very exciting, and of course they got that whole born in the cloud mentality that this is just essentially taking a cut of Exchange Online and making a, an on prem version of it. Yeah, and that's certainly been the mantra. Um, in the last couple of versions, we certainly saw that with 2013, and then 2016, the whole tagline was "Hey." forged in the cloud. And so you knew you were getting a product that was, uh, you know, that had been um, deployed at scale for heck, probably six months before you got it on prem, or maybe even more in some instances. So you kind of, you know, when you when you were about to launch that cumulative update, you were fairly confident that everything was going to go well. Um, not, not to say that there's never been a few hiccups along the no. way with cumulative updates, but certainly I would say a lot better than like, say, the 2010 days when oh, it was yeah. Where, where those patches were far scarier, like you definitely built a VM, cloned your machine, and and did and ran through a couple of tests on it. Like you you, you didn't willy nilly go and actually install a patch like that. Way way too too dangerous to do. My only concern is that the hardware that runs the cloud is very specific, and the configuration is very specific. I don't know if you've run into this, but where I, where I find folks struggling with Exchange on-prem, it's their configuration that gets them. Yeah, this you certainly want to try and keep as close to the preferred architecture as you can. Uh, and with 2019, with the system requirements coming out, we're certainly going to have uh, a preferred architecture for 2019 as well. Um, and this is just, you know, the preferred architecture, it comes from Microsoft's, hey, this is how we've done it in the cloud this is and it works well for us, and we have you know x number of billion mailboxes, right? Right. Um, so, th- so this is how we feel like you should run it on prem. Um, and, and so, really, you know, obviously, it, it's it's a guideline 
um, if you do things that aren't preferred architecture, you know, they can still be supported. Uh, so, for example, the preferred architecture says, hey, you should do physical servers. Uh, but obviously, if you want to go virtual, that's completely supported. So, um, again, like I said, the preferred architecture is really just uh, Microsoft saying this is the best way to do it. The other thing that gets me with Exchange 2019 is it's dependent on Server 2019. And Server 2019 is sort of still, I don't, I, I mean, it was RTM, but it's really RTM to the hardware folks, to the OEMs. And we kind of have to wait for them before we can really do much with it. Yeah, that was a little bit of a surprise for me that that uh, Server 2019 was going to be the base for Exchange 2019. Yeah. I, I mean, I certainly get it. Um, hey, let's put Exchange on the latest and greatest and most secure. It makes sense. Um, but yeah, it, it was definitely interesting to see, especially when we had Server 2019 had a couple of what I would maybe just call false starts with release, mm-hmm. um, where it got pulled back. Um, and I think it finally got released officially, what, about a week ago or two weeks ago? Uh, or actually, as we're recording this podcast, I guess, uh, you know, mid, sort of mid-November. Mid yeah. November, yeah, sometimes. So. Welcome, welcome to time shifting. We don't get to publish till January. <laughs> <laughs> I want Christmas off, man. That's how this works. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it, it is interesting to see this new release cycle, especially around server. But, uh, it, you know, it, it, I'm excited too, right? I'm, I, for me, it really is just have some patience, wait for all the dots to, to be, the I's to be dotted and the T's to be crossed, and we'll, we'll get what we want. Should we run down the list? What are you excited about in Exchange 2019? Well, uh, there's definitely a lot of cool announcements coming out, and a lot of it is stuff that we saw last year, not, uh, well, I should say actually two years ago at Ignite. So Ignite 2017, a lot of the announcements that came out and said, hey, this is stuff that we've developed for the cloud. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're now seeing, or, or was Ignite uh, announced that Ignite 2018 for Exchange 2019. So, um, you know, some of the big things that we saw previously in Office 365 or things like the Metacache database, and that's going to be something that's coming to Exchange 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, and essentially what that's giving you is uh, a tiered storage approach. So it's Microsoft saying, hey, use slower spindles, uh, but you can also use a solid-state disk. Yeah, so the solid-state disk is essentially going to uh, host anything that you know requires like a lower latency disk. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got things like you know uh, message headers or mailbox tables, or even search indexes, those things that can really benefit from being on a faster disk. Uh, so with that multi-tiered approach, Microsoft's putting the low latency reco- um, stuff on that faster solid state, but then en- everything that can uh, be on a, um, a slower disk, so t- uh, typically your things like your actual messages and your attachments, which is still about 90% of your data, that's going to stay on those traditional spindle disks. Uh, and Microsoft's seeing a significant improvement uh, with performance, so faster logons, faster search, uh, and I think in some instances they were saying, you know, faster logons to your mailbox and faster searches by like fifty percent. So it's pretty, pretty staggering that increase. Mm-hmm. Now, the flip side of that argument, of course, is, well, hey, what if I go all flash or all solid state anyway? Where you know, in that case, um, maybe Metacache database doesn't probably make a whole lot of sense to you because, hey, you're just putting everything. Uh, onto those fast disks. Yeah. But if it, you know, if uh, you know, if you need need uh, if you've got a, bit, a little bit of a tighter budget, then this is a very easy way to have a tiered approach uh, that's very structured and very easy to implement. That Metacache database, you're really not doing anything to manage it. You're basically just saying enable and go. Uh, and Microsoft really takes or Exchange really takes care of it all on the back end for you. Um, those disks as well, the, the solid state disks don't actually need to be highly available. 
Uh, essentially, again, that disk is really when we say metacache database, it's really a caching right. uh, of data onto that. So that search index and a message table and all the stuff that we've told, you know, we've mentioned that are coming down onto the disk are still stored on that spindle anyway. So if you ever lose that solid state disk, uh, then all your clients are just going directly to the older spindle disks. And hey, maybe performance gets a little slower. Uh, that said, when you're using your exchange sizing calculator. You really want to size based on the IOPS of your spindle disks uh, and you know, don't even uh, consider using the solid states as part of your IOP requirements. Yeah, let, don't count on the performance of your, of your, uh, your SSDs for, for making up for bad performance and everything else. I think it, that, that's a very fair thing. On the other hand, like I said, you don't need those high-end enterprise-grade SSDs. Any SSD will do. It's just a cache. Right. Yep, definitely. And if it ever fails, like I said, it goes back to just the spindle serving it. Yeah. Uh, and, and to essentially, they say you just throw another solid state disk in it, re- and then it just recreates the cache. Yeah. Um, you can also have some additional options in there as well, where the database could fail over uh, to a passive copy that still has uh, a solid state available to it. So you're, you know, you could maintain that performance if you needed, but if you know, worst case scenario, for some reason, every single solid state fails in every single one of your hosts, probably very unlikely, it will still mount the database's regard. Yeah, you're not down anyway. You're right. just get, getting a ton of warnings to go do, get some repairs. Can we talk about unified messaging? Yeah, so unified messaging is going away. Um, I, To be perfectly honest, I really never ran into too many implementations where unified messaging no, was uh, actually know, in use. I've, I've made as many shows as I could around this space trying to figure out where this is actually going. And it, has, in my imagination, has Microsoft simply botched the whole VoIP space between Skype and Skype for Business and Teams. It's like, it's bad. It's a mess. Well, I think it, I think unified messaging was always a little uh, challenging to implement because it, you know, it, it, requ- it felt like it required so much to get it up and running. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're putting in Skype. Uh, and really, that was where the only place that we ever really saw it was, hey, my uh, voice system is also Skype for Business or, or Link or whatever it was back then. Um, you know, and, and the the requirements to even get Skype in place, yeah. if you wanted it truly to be highly, uh, highly available, there was quite a lot there just to get that going and then have that tie back into Exchange UM. Um, it, I just don't feel like it was very attractive to a lot of people, especially when you had like a Cisco or an Avaya come down uh, the road and they almost wanted to present people with this easy button to press. Yeah. Priced accordingly. You know, none of this stuff was free, but you were, if you were running a PBX, you already were spending a ton of money and this wasn't outrageously priced in that context. Yeah. I, I never really saw any Avaya systems or Cisco systems, for example, that were using Exchange for UM. They were using their own built in UM. Right. Uh, so as a result of that, I really only ever saw Skype using the UM. And I felt like Skype always had a challenge and a struggle. Uh, to be competitive against, like, say, Cisco in enter- large enterprise deployments. Um, I think for the small business customer, I, I think with uh, Skype in the cloud and Teams in the cloud, that's really just pushing a button at this point. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, to really simplify it. So I think for startups and small businesses, I could see a lot of them honestly just going straight to Skype and Teams. So I'm actually expecting to see that adoption really increase. 
for for startups. It's like, why would I put a Cisco in when I'm already, you know, I've already got my maybe my uh, Exchange and OneDrive and SharePoint in the cloud. Right. Oh, my license also includes Skype or Teams. Yeah, I'm just I'm just going to use that. Gonna so use I it. think for that space, I think Microsoft will crush it, and you know. Uh, compared to some of the other vendors out there. Yeah, I think they're still start, trying to rationalize their product stack as a whole. Like it's, it is unnecessarily complicated for what it is, but, uh, I'm, I, you know, they, one of these, it, it, for me as an IT guy, I look at it and go, I'm going to wait. The, the plan just doesn't seem coherent. And, and the fact that exchange is basically pulling it out means, all right, they're, they're disentangling mail from messaging and VoIP. Yeah. And it definitely had its place. I mean, you you know, you look back at older versions of Exchange and, you know, if you had that unified messaging capability, it's like, well, heck, I could essentially uh, get voicemail into my inbox mm-hmm. and I could have play controls and it would transcribe it. I mean, it was really cool and cutting edge. Um, so, you know, at, at the time it was, it was great. But honestly, I look back to about the 2010 era, I don't see any enhancements since about Exchange 2010 when it came to UM. I mean, sure, they kind of moved the role around. They, they implemented or added, pushed the role into the mailbox server. Uh, but other than really just kind of collapsing things, I don't feel like there was any new uh, uh, you know, bell or whistle of, hey, here's this cool new feature we've implemented in UM. It feels like it, feels like it stayed fairly stagnant since the Exchange 2010 days. Yeah. Well, and I think there was this vision about, again, unified messaging, the texting and voice and mail all sort of interplaying together. And, it, and I don't know that it, it worked in a meaningful way. It'll be interesting to see what comes back out of the other side. But it, the fact that it's just being lifted out now means, okay, you know, they, we're whatever's going to happen, it's going to be something new. Yeah. So, I mean, as far as what your options are, if you are using Exchange 2016 or 2013 for unified messaging today, um, you know, Microsoft's going to, you know, has stated, hey, if you've got Skype, go to Skype 2019 right. and you use cloud voicemail. Uh, and you certainly want to do that first before you upgrade to Exchange 2019, because if you upgrade to Exchange 2019, as soon as you start moving users over to that, you know, moving their mailboxes to 2019, they're just UM disabled immediately. Bonk. Gone. Gone. Yeah. yeah. So you've definitely, you know, if you do have, like I said, Skype and Exchange, do the Skype first. The other option is uh, you could just stay on Exchange 2016 yep. uh, for unified messaging needs. Uh, you'll have to keep the users there, as we mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But Exchange 2016 and 2019 are going to have the same end-of-life date, which is another interesting little change that Microsoft's got. There. Yeah. What do you think of that? That's that's This says a lot, actually. Yeah. So traditionally, uh, we've always had that 10-year life cycle, right? right? The five years of mainstream and the five years of extended. Yeah. 2019 is going to be seven years, so it's going to have five years of mainstream and two years of extended. Uh, and, and they've given it the same end date as 2016. So I'm not sure exactly what that says. I, I think it's just Microsoft wanting to get people off of older software uh, and not have to keep supporting it. Well, but it, I don't know that it's. I I don't know that, that actually helps that. If my if by sh- if 2019 had a longer life, then that's an incentive to move to it because you continue to be undercover. But if I'm already on 2016, and 2019 is right. not going to give me more life. I'll just stay on 2016. Like I don't know that yeah. it's achieving for them what they want, other than the hint of you better get to the cloud because we're closing in on you. Yeah, it could be an, it, that end of life cycle could be a kind of like a, a hidden nail in the coffin, I guess you could say. Yeah, for exchange on prem. Um, I'm not sure though, uh, Richard. Are they doing anything similar across other products? I haven't really looked into it. Mm-hmm. Whether 
you know, Microsoft's adopting the seven-year life cycle anywhere else. Yeah, not that I've seen. The, okay. the This seems to be sort of a, a, a new thing. Uh, how long have we been threatened with there won't be any more on-prem versions of Exchange? Well, I don't think Microsoft's ever pushed that. I, I think that there's been certainly a lot of speculation around just the community in general. Yeah. There's going to be no more Exchange. Um, I mean, I think Microsoft's always stated, uh, you know, as long as people want it, they'll keep making it. Yes. Which equals as long as keep people keep paying for it, they'll keep making it. Um, and I think there's a lot of enterprises out there that will still, you know, want to keep their mail on-prem for whatever reason. Yep. You know, they have their reasons, and I think Microsoft will keep producing it. And it makes me wonder if this seven-year plan is just a gesture to see if people will tolerate it, and at some point they're going to push back and go, hey, you know, we're going to extend the the support cycle for 2019. Yeah, and, and one of the other interesting things that came out during the, uh, I think, introducing Exchange 2019 uh, session um, was they'd also put out the idea of, hey, do we keep doing cumulative updates on a quarterly cycle? And right. Traditionally, that's always been the case. Because um, there's been people that have complained, hey, we can't keep up, which is valid. Um, I, I rarely see a customer who is on the latest version of the CU. Uh, more often than not, I go into an environment and it's 10, use, 10 CUs behind or something like that. So, you know, I can certainly get where they're coming from on that. Um, but I think it was an interesting statement that, hey, maybe, maybe CUs won't be quarterly anymore, right? Uh, especially with Exchange 2019. They haven't made any statements that it's not going to be. They were just kind of throwing it out there in yeah. that session. And I thought it was an interesting topic to pick up. I think it was Microsoft, again, kind of going to the uh, comment you made about the seven-year life cycle, just seeing what will stick kind of thing. You know, you're kind of putting out the feelers. Absolutely. And Gareth, I'm going to interrupt you for just a moment for this very important message. This episode of Run As Radio is brought to you by the Humanitarian Toolbox. Humanitarian Toolbox builds open source software for disaster relief organizations. One of the leading projects called Already focuses on getting volunteers into the right place at the right time using cloud and mobile technology. HTBox builds and operates this and other applications on behalf of a variety of disaster response organizations, and they need your help. Go to htbox.org for more information or to make a tax-deductible donation. HDBox is a 501c3 U.S. registered charity. And we're back. Richard Campbell here with Garrett Gutcher. We're talking about Exchange 2019. And uh, just this, I think this is Microsoft's tactics these days, is they, they put out these, I'm not going to say controversial things, but things they'd like to have be true or like want to have happen going forward and to see how the customer base reacts. Yeah, and I think there's been some, interesting announcements well I, I guess it's not really announcements these are features that are shipping but around the security mm -hmm. uh you know they're going to be disabling a lot of the um older algorithms well they're requiring tls 1.2 right like you don't have a choice you're going to be on 2019 it's 1.2 or nothing yeah and, and that's certainly correct it's going to be tls 1.2 they're also getting rid of older algorithms like triple des and sha and stuff like that right so i i'm wondering if uh how you know how that's going to sit, and if there's going to be anybody that's going to say, "Hey, look, we need an older protocol," um, and something happens, or we you know, just uh, or we just stay on 2016, right? Certainly, yeah. and and that also brings up some interesting things with coexistence as well, because mm -hmm. you're certainly going to have to be on the later CUs just to have an exchange server that's going to be able to communicate over TLS 1.2 or to have, you know, it's certainly also interesting. Hey, sure. I've got my latest version of outlook, but it's still running on windows seven and I need to make sure that my TLS protocols are enabled on windows seven. So, um, 
it's definitely interesting how you know Microsoft's really pushing stuff on this. Yeah, and generally making people move up in later versions of Office to get the, to be able to use the newer version of Exchange. Like if you're going to upgrade one thing, you better upgrade all these things. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and it's good too. I mean, we certainly want to be more secure. We don't want to have people still, you know, on TLS 1.0 or 1.1, which have, you know, are certainly weak. Um, and actually it was funny, what, you know, with the announcement around TLS 1.2, cause I was just reading, uh, an RFC on TLS 1.3. And I think that was the first time I'd even heard 1.3 was oh, now man. on the table. Yeah, no. I- so, uh, I think I was reading that uh, there was like a CDN out there, a content delivery network that was saying, hey, we support TLS 1.3. I'm like, uh, awesome. <laughs> well, yeah. What is this 1.3 you speak of? <laughs> so, oh, yeah, no, here it is. Just approved for this year. So this is new. And then, uh, yeah, Cloudflare supporting it. So that is interesting that yeah, we're continuing. I think some of the other interesting things that are coming down as well is is the search improvements. And um you know, it's kind of funny because it seems like every new version of Exchange, we hear, oh, the search has improved. And I think they've actually, I think this is the, you know. There's a point I, where I, it's a prank, right? Like, really? <laughs> yeah. And I, and I think the, the the search, what they're planning here, and this is essentially, again, they've taken what they've done in the cloud. So in the cloud, they had a project uh, called Big Funnel. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and essentially what that is doing, and then they're bringing this to on-prem 2019 as well. So it's it's going to be, it's in the product is um, it takes away, so, so it changes how it does search. So today, you know, you have essentially the search index that indexes the, the database. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if you've ever seen or had this experience, Richard, but sometimes that catalog can get a little corrupt and then you're running update, you know, fix catalog command to, to, make, that, to make that work. Or if you've ever had a database failover situation where you say, oh, I need a, I need a failover of my database, uh, my database is healthy, but wait, my context—you know—my content index is unhealthy. What's hmm. going on here? Um, and and you you can't fail over. So where they're changing the search improvements is now, um, search is now done while the messages are in tra- are in the transport queue. Um, so search is done in the transport queue, and then that search data or metadata is stored in the database itself. So hmm. there's no separate index file. To get potentially huge and corrupt, um, this sounds like so, something that's come out of their cloud work. Yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and so the nice part is, is now that all your search data is stored in that database again. Like I said, you don't have that giant index file to get corrupt, right? But the search is now replicated for your standard, uh, you know, log shipping and DAG mechanism. Yeah, right. I wonder how much bigger that's going to make the files overall. Yeah, I think there's certainly going to be some planning around now that you have a potentially bigger database. Yeah. Uh, I mean, not that, but, uh, I mean, I'm not, I don't think about being disk storage constrained at all, but SSDs, I think a little bit more about and backup times. I certainly think about like those, those are the consequences here. It's not like I'm going to run out of space. It's more of uh, how long does it take to do all of these things? Cause everything's bigger. Yeah. And I think with these search indexes as well, I mean, you know, the other thing that's kind of cool as well is they're saying, hey, if you're using Outlook 2019 mm-hmm. and you've got Exchange 2019, it'll actually search against that metacache, right. um, regardless of whether your client is configured in online mode or cache mode. And that was always, I don't know if you ever had those kind of support calls that say, hey, when I'm on OA, I get these search results. When I'm on Outlook in cache mode, I get a different set of search Kill results me. based on you know based on what version of Windows I'm running. 
And then on my mobile, I'm getting completely different results. Uh, uh, have you ever had that experience with, uh, you know, Outlook 2016 where you search on something and it finds three items and it's like, you, you want me to do the server search? You hit the server search and it finds nothing. Love that. That's a great one. <laughs> it's like, woohoo, I feel confident. Or, or you switch your client to Outlook mode or yeah. online mode in the yeah. back end. And then you search again, you get all different results. Totally different so set of results. Yeah. The nice part is, is like I said, with this new, uh, with these new search improvements, especially if you're using like Outlook 2019, you're gonna, it's gonna hit the server first. So I think what Microsoft's doing here is they're gonna try and make a more unified search experience, regardless of what client or what device you're using. It's a good goal, and and something you know we all benefit from this if they can actually get it figured out because it is a struggle. You know, I, it's amazing how hard search is, and we're still talking about it. We're still fighting for it. Yeah, or we just keep coming up with better ways on how to do it. Yeah. Well. And, and I think I, I really like the way that they're doing it in 2019. I actually, I, I think they've got it figured out well. And again, it's something that's come from the cloud. Yeah. It's something I, that they've, uh, because nobody wants to think about search at all. Search should just be something that works. And and right. when you when somebody talks about it, you're like, why why would she talk about it? It's like, it's like talking about air. Nobody cares about air until you don't have it. So yeah, and, it, and it's interesting too because Microsoft certainly they they didn't reinvent the wheel on this. One no. Either. So rather than hey, I'm going to make you know uh, previously you know fast search or whatever, I'm going to I'm going to invent my own search algorithm, and they essentially just took Bing and made this Bing powered. <laughs> and it begs the question: like, why didn't they do this from the first place? Like, why why yeah. reinvent anything? Right. So it's using technology that they've already used elsewhere. Excellent. Well. Hopefully it'll be better. You know, the dynamic between Exchange and Outlook is never is never simple. It's not an easy thing that these two products actually get along as well as they they really ought to. Yep. So one of the other big announcements uh, is the support for Server Core, and this is a first for Exchange. Hmm. So run, you can now run on Server Core, so the UI-less version of of Windows. Yep. And going back to the requirements, obviously it has to be server 20, uh, Windows Server 2019 Server Core. Right. Uh, but yeah, and, and Microsoft uh, says that I think that's actually going to become part of the preferred architecture where they're saying, hey, run on Server Core. Um, you know, you're going to have a smaller footprint, smaller attack plane, less things to update. Exchange is going to run better. Um, but they're also recommending bare metal installation too. They're not talking about vms yeah that that's still definitely sticking i mean that's been the preferred architecture for you know a very long time at this point uh, they're the only ones you know even the sequel guys have given up (laughs) yeah well there's always been those uh what is it it seems like every every time they have a um a welcome to exchange type announcement they always uh play that little trick of hey exchange is going to run on sequel and then they say, ah, we're just kidding (laughs) (laughs) I i don't know how many uh ignite or you know, tech ed or, or uh, build type, uh, you know, sessions I've been in where, where that's been they a joke that on one. the uh, preferred architecture. Well, the only thing I can say for sure is the, you know, the, the Exchange and SQL Server are alike is their relationship to memory. The correct amount of memory for both Exchange and SQL Server is more. Yeah. I mean, it certainly will eat as much as you as yeah. you give it up to a point. Um, you know, there used to be a cap of, uh, actually, the, the, the cap in Exchange 2019 was 192 gigs. They've actually right. upped that in 2019 to 256. Uh, if you go above that, you just um, get to the point where Exchange just isn't utilizing it. And right. you may also run into some weird issues as well. Um, I think .NET starts to run into some weirdness. 256 uh, gigs is a lot of RAM. I mean, and admittedly, there are terabyte configurations of SQL Server. 
Although it's almost like a prank. It's like, I have an urge to spend $150,000 on RAM. But yeah, okay. 256 gigs of RAM ought to be an, and if it's not, just get another server. Yeah. And that's how exchanges is always like, yeah. you know, scale out, don't scale up. And yeah. That's still, that's been the preferred architecture since the 2013 days or probably even early. To be sure. Honest. Um, well, and it's one of the advantages of the exchange had over SQL Server. SQL Server still has that problem of it's the sole source of truth. And it's hard to go to spread it across multiple machines where mailboxes are just not that big, or at least shouldn't be that big. And there's lots of them. So you can spread them across many machines. Yeah. And the scale out, you know, you're, you're killing two birds with one uh, stone. You're not sure. only just, you know, not putting crazy amounts of resources into one box. As you scale out, you're actually just making yourselves more and more highly available. Yeah. More, more reliable. All, all, all of these things are good. Uh, any other specifications stuff we need to know in 2019? Well, I think what what would be really cool is some of those user uh, improvements, mm-hmm. um, especially some of the stuff that's coming to OWA. I still say OWA, but I, I technically I think I'm supposed to call it Outlook on the web. Um, but OWA anyway. Um, I think some of the user uh, stuff coming to that. Um, my favorite one has to be the new out of office options. Oh. So out of office hasn't really seen a whole lot of change in quite a few years. Well, how much do you need to say past I'm out of the office? Leave me alone. So some of the new options um, that aren't in the out full, you know, full Outlook fat client, but are in OWA, and I'm sure it'll come to the fat client at some point. But you can also say things like automatically decline every meeting that comes in during my oof. Right. You can block the entire calendar automatically. And you can clear your calendar automatically. So if you had previous meetings and then you set an oof, it'll actually go through and clear meetings for you. Nice. So, yeah, definitely some uh, – and again, like I said, auto- being able to automatically decline a meeting request. I mean, this some of that meeting stuff that's come into the oofs there is really, really nice. So I highly, highly recommend it to, to look at those options. No, no powerful stuff. And, and actually, I think I've recently encountered someone where it was exactly that. They'd set up their out of office, and so and, and I was actually meeting with them at Ignite. <laughs> and every time I set up something, immediately refuse it. Sorry, I'm out of the office. I was like, I know you're here with me. Yeah, it's definitely some nice features. Um, the other big thing I think is nice as well uh, is that do not forward option for your um, meetings. Um, I don't know if you've ever experienced it where you send a meeting out just to a small group of people and before you know it, like a hundred people show up to your meeting. Yeah, the chaos cascade. Every, every, everybody's been forwarding it to everybody else. Yeah. yeah, that chaos cascade. So as a meeting organizer, that's going to be one of the nice options that you can say, hey, mm-hmm. check whether you can forward a meeting or not to other people. Yeah. No, it's, it, these are new, this new granularity is all pretty powerful stuff. So, I mean, I think part of me feels like we're waiting. If I'm not supposed to run this in a VM, I'm waiting for server 2019 to get all its approval for all the hardware guys. And, uh, and it, once that's true, then we're, we're good, right? Then we can start really getting to work on how we're going to incorporate exchange 2019 into our lives. Well, I mean, the, like I said, virtual is supported. It's just not part of your preferred architecture. Right. Honestly, most customers I run into are just are virtualizing mm-hmm. uh, or at least a virtualized previous versions of exchange so 2013, 2016, um, I would suspect that that would remain the same. I would suspect that in 2019, most of my customers are probably going to continue to virtualize. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, it, I just wish that Microsoft would lead with the reality, which is 
hey, I know you're going to run these in VMs because I guarantee you they're running them in VMs in their cloud. Well, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I, I believe they're on physical uh, commodity hardware. At least that's what they tell us. Um, but when it comes to the virtualization, I mean, the main reason that they don't want you to do it is they, you know, they say, hey, you're just adding an extra layer of complexity. Uh, an exchange runs best when you keep it simple. Right. So, for example, how do you implement, like, a, so, for example, say you want that new Metacache database. How easy is that to implement in a virtual environment compared to a physical one? Definitely harder. Yeah. No, yeah. I appreciate that. True enough. Well, Gareth, uh, thanks for all the info. I feel filled in about 2019. Definitely. Glad to be here as always. All right. And uh, anywhere we can see you in January? Uh, any events coming up for you? I think the next event that we might see each other, Richard's probably going to be the MVP Summit in March. Yeah, I guess that's true. We'll all be there. W- w- winter's always a little slow for, uh, for events. Know, when it comes conferences and talking. And yeah, for sure. Gareth Gudger, thanks so much for coming on Run As. Thank you very much. And we'll talk to you next time on Run As Radio. Mm-hmm.